Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Uh, Before we get started today with Divorce is Priceless, let me tell you first to uh, subscribe because I have loads of subscriber episodes and the most recent one was Women Hate Arguers and why arguing is something that women hate super much and evolutionarily and um, psychologically and emotionally and in every which way they just hate it and why and um, how to know if you are actually an arguer even if you think you're not. All right, so moving on. A lot of times people say that they're too scared about money to divorce. And um, this usually uh, is not what people think after they divorce. So that's kind of um, what I'll be talking about is why this usually tends to be a misguided fear. Because there are lots of people that I work with and they say that uh, divorce would be financially onerous, et cetera, et cetera. And then they divorce and not one of them is like, man, you know, I wish I would have stayed married because of money. Like I've like literally never heard anybody say that. Um, uh, There may be people that say that, but certainly not if they initiate the divorce. Because if you are divorced because it's a super toxic, conflictual situation and or completely loveless, sexless, etc., then what amount of money philosophically, like, like what amount of money wouldn't you pay really? to get out of that situation. Because that, that's the thing. It's like, I'll, I'll be talking to guys and they'll say, oh, you know, like alimony is like such a fucking, you know, train wreck. And sure, I get that, you know. But, and, and of course, there are women that now pay alimony as well. More and more of them, 30% of women are breadwinners. And it sucks. But then I say, okay, so you have to pay like 2000 a month, whatever. Like, what amount of money, like, would be worth getting back with your ex-wife. And they're like, nothing, no amount. (laughs) You know, like invariably to a one, like they say, there is no amount of money that would make me want to be with my ex-wife. You know, I'd rather be living in a box. And so once you actually get out of a very difficult situation, which are the only sorts of situations that lead to divorce, because, you know, nobody is just like, hey, you know, it sounds like a fun idea. I'll just break up my family today. No biggie, you know, whatever. That's not reality. So people come to divorce after they've tried everything that hasn't worked. And so in that kind of situation, it really does become quite the philosophical issue. Like, what amount of money would you pay to be back in that situation once you're finally liberated from it? And the answer is no amount of money. You know, truly no amount of money. And the other thing that people don't realize, and this is men and women alike, or that you get like a hell of a big financial motivation to work after you have to give child support or you have to establish your own household. And I know not everybody is self-employed like me, uh, obviously, but 
you know, within any job, like it's going to go better if you're super motivated and can work more. Splitting childcare obligations allows you to throw yourself more into your job in many cases. Now, um, there there may be plenty of, of situations where this is not relevant. However, the majority of the people listening are likely the same as my client base. My client base are people that can pay for therapy and um, out of pocket. And if, if you are somebody who also has that ability, then you have disposable income. For people that have disposable income, they usually have jobs with an amount of autonomy and somewhat of a trajectory that they could potentially get promoted or they could build their own business or side hustle. Basically, what I'm saying is when you can put more hours into work, usually you can make more money. And people kind of forget about this opportunity that they will have for career growth when they do not have the kids all the time, you know, and that's the same for men, because as I discuss constantly, men do a hell of a lot of childcare and housework now, and in the majority of people that I work with, they do half. So when they don't have to do half every day, and they're not expected to be home every evening, and they don't have to account for their time constantly, well, they have a hell of a lot more freedom. And yes, they can date, but you can also work a lot more and in a different sort of way. And uh, you could take more risk financially, you could take more, you could do more travel. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff, you know, that you can do. I mean, I I certainly can organize my entire schedule around being able to see night clients sometimes if I would want to. And I did that the first year after my divorce, you know, on the nights I didn't have kids. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't like working at night, so I only do it sometimes for, um, you know, if I, well, this is going far afield, but... (laughs) I don't do it very much anymore. If you got all excited because you could only do evenings now, you could work with me. I, I don't do that regularly. I only do them as one-offs. But anyway, um, the, the point here is, is that I have yet to work with somebody who says that getting back together with their ex in an extremely difficult situation um, is something that they wish they could do because then they could go back to having one household. Instead, and I'm not saying the financial problems are um, aren't real, of course they're real. But we are more than, um, you know, money-making machines and money-spending machines. And if you are in a situation that's extremely demoralizing and that makes you feel trapped and stuck and where conflict is constant and your kids are learning it and you're not able to touch somebody or love somebody and, and you feel like it's kind of, the you know, living death, then what is the amount of money that's going to keep you there? Often, often what it really is, is that it's fear and fear is not rational. Particularly if you grew up in a home where money was a big source of fear, then it's like, I I work with guys of like millions in the bank and they're like, oh, no way. Like we could never split up because of the money. Why, though? I mean, why? There, there's no rational reason. It's just the hedonic treadmill. The more you make, the more you think that you ought to have, et cetera, et cetera. And frequently, guys like that, um, or women like that, because I've heard it with women, too, not as frequently, but I've heard it f- with women, too, uh, these people were raised in homes where money was a huge source of fear and anxiety and contention and uh, financial stability became like super paramount. And then once they achieve financial stability, it becomes like wealth building and any idea that the wealth would somehow be split 
even though in most situations you and your ex are both saving for the children. I mean, you know, so so in reality, it's not as though you just have half the wealth because remember, yours is being saved for your kids and likely your ex will do the same thing unless they are some real sociopath. Most people are saving their money eventually to go to their children and will participate in spending for the children. But even if you're in a situation where somehow they're not, you know, going to do that, still... If you think about it differently, if you had been raised in a different home where happiness was prioritized instead of, uh, you know, um, misery, really, you know, a less anxious, less negative, more positive, happier home, A, you're telling me, well, shit, I wouldn't have got into the marriage in the first place. Yeah, no shit. But, you know, we have no time machine. The second thing that you could do is maybe don't remain in a horrible, toxic situation out of fear that may be misguided. So talk to a financial planner because when people do that, I've never yet heard somebody say, no, my financial planner says, nah, you got to stay in your shit marriage because like you'll die. Like you will just die. No, I mean that that isn't a reality for, again, the majority of particularly the people who, who are listening to me and um, people who can choose to go into therapy and, and to pay for it and to go on vacations and who are not living um, hand to mouth, you know, and so in the people that that I work with and that I'm talking to, what they're thinking about is that they're going to have a decrement in lifestyle that will be intolerable, but they're not thinking about how much happier they're going to be and how much more motivation and, and pragmatically time they may have after a split, you know, to rebuild the wealth and to go even higher, which is a situation I see frequently is that people's careers just kind of skyrocket. Um, again, this is like obviously anecdotal. It doesn't happen every time. I'm not giving you a coupon that says if you get divorced, your your earning capacity will skyrocket. Certainly not. But as so many of my um, as really everything that I write and speak about uh, is, it's based on what I see in my clinical experience for the years that I've been in practice. And the reality is, is that I've seen this happen numerous times, you know, where people... So, so, so like, for example, a really good example is a lot of times people are partnered to somebody who's very financially risk averse. So the person won't let them invest how they want or they won't let them go out on their own as a business, you know, create their own business. Not that they uh, have a gun to their head, but they don't like it. They're trying to make decisions together. So then the person goes along with staying at a corporate job instead of going out on their own. Then they divorce. Well, guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to listen to or be influenced by your risk averse partner. So you do go out on your own and then you're very successful. And I've seen that happen more than once. And um, so so that is just the other, because listen, if you're a guy Googling on the internet, like what happens after you get divorced, you have all these people who are like super negative and say that you'll be like, you know, poverty stricken. So I'm the, uh, on the other hand, I'm trying to be the other voice that says it doesn't have to be like that. And I've seen it not be like that a bunch. Now, does this mean you shouldn't work on your marriage? Obviously not. And that is like such an insane thing to think is that people would be like, oh, really? I'm not going to lose any money? Well, then shit, I'll just get divorced tomorrow. No one. I have never seen anybody get divorced without a lot of thought. It is a super guilt-inducing, anxiety-provoking, depressing situation to be, uh, particularly with children, to divorce because you know that you're breaking up your kid's family and the idea of having a, a happy family for 
for them down the line seems very nebulous at the time, you know, of, of the divorce. Like you want that to happen. You want it to end up better than it was, but you don't know. There's no guarantees. So nobody makes, I very few people make a divorce decision short-sightedly or without ample, you know, consideration. But there are a lot of people who remain in toxic, miserable situations where the kids actually wish they would have got divorced. And as I've said numerous times in my podcast, um, I was such a child, you know, and, and I've met many other people throughout my, my work, certainly as a clinician and in general, who had fighting, miserable parents where you would think, why don't they get divorced? Why don't they get divorced? You know, and so if you are in that kind of situation, but your own anxiety and rigidity around money is the bottleneck, then that would be a good thing to work on in therapy because what you're really doing is you're saying my life is worth X amount of thousands of dollars. Is it? You know, like, is it really? I don't think so. And I don't think it's what you would advise your child if they were in a similar situation. So this is just a thought experiment about how much money is your happiness in the only life that you get? How much is it worth? Is it worth a million in the bank? Is it worth a hundred thousand in the bank? How, how, how much money is it? You know, I mean, really, how about if you were going to die tomorrow or you're going to, well, if you're going to die tomorrow, really nothing would matter. Um, if you were going to die in five years, would you get divorced then? Would you try to have a chance at love then? What about 10? years you know how much are you kind of imprisoning yourself by your fear and anxiety and not allowing yourself to see that this is an untenable situation if it is so you know you really got to think like what would you advise your kid would you want your child to stay in a loveless and or high conflict situation just because of money I mean would you most people would say no. So, so think about it. And um, you could really use it as a good thought experiment because uh, anybody who's ever had this idea that they wouldn't get divorced because of money, it's, they usually tend a bit toward anxious, you know. And anxiety is certainly something that you could work on in therapy. That's one of the most, um, you know, common things that people come to therapy for is an anxious or rigid worldview. And in this case, the rigid worldview is I need X dollars in the bank. And if I, if I have X over two, I will not be able to survive. And, uh, that is, that is rarely the case. And, um, and, and that, that, that is what it is. So I will end on that note and I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks so much for subscribing. You, oh, you didn't subscribe. This is not a subscriber. So you should subscribe. And also, of course, if you want to talk about topics like this more, I have my Facebook group. You go to the blue subscribe button on my Facebook page, Dr. Psych Mom on Facebook. And there's over 200 of us. There are single, married, divorced, like everything, a lot of people. And the common thread is that they like to talk about topics involving relationships, people, family, parenting, etc., etc. There are some people without kids, but not many. Um, and uh, that is a good place to get more interaction with me as well. I will talk to everybody soon. Have a great day, guys.